had a problem that you just don't really know how to fix it. It's a problem where you'll, you'll try just about anything if you think it'll help uh, to, to remedy the, the situation. If you're like me, I, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had a child or a grandchild that grew up in the 80s or 90s. And so if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you probably spent a little bit of time in front of a Nintendo, right? We used to play Nintendo, and, and um, every once in a while, if you ever played Nintendo, I'm sure this happened to you at some point, the game just didn't work. And so you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get this game to work? And so what you would do, and I don't know why we ever did this, but you would take the Nintendo cartridge and you would, you would blow in it like you have magic air in your lungs that makes the Nintendo cartridge to work, okay? I, I don't know why we, we always would blow in it and put it back in there and be like, oh, it worked that time, right? I mean, I don't know why we used to do that. Or if it didn't work, sometimes you would put it in there and you would push it down and hold it down and shove another one on top of it the double cartridge, some of y'all are nodding, you know what I'm talking about, to hold it down to make sure that it would work. I don't know if that ever works. I mean, I, we used to think that it did, and so we would do it over and over again. Or maybe you've had this experience. If you've worked with electronics on computers or, uh, or things like that, inevitably there's going to be a time where it doesn't work, okay? And so you start fiddling with cords, and you don't know what these cords do. You don't know what they go to or anything. You just start pulling on cords and take it out and put it back in and, and do all these sort of things, hoping it's going to work. And, 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 and in the end, if you really don't know what to do, what do you do? You unplug the whole thing and plug it back in and just hit it restart. I don't know if that works. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But we, we're willing to try and do anything to solve this problem that we don't know how to fix. But the Bible tells us that all of us have a problem that we don't know how to fix. It's a problem with sin. We don't know what to do with it. We're not right in our relationship to God, and we don't know how to remedy this problem. And this problem goes back to the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he created Adam and Eve in his image to have a relationship with them. And the Bible says that he walked with them in the garden. They were in the very presence of God until one day Satan came in the form of a serpent and he tempted Eve to eat of the fruit that God had forbidden, the one thing that he told them not to do. And so she took it and she ate it and she gave it to Adam and he took it and he ate it and then sin had entered into the world. And immediately they felt the effects of it. They hid from God. They were ashamed because they knew that they had done wrong. They had a problem. They didn't know how to fix it. And so God tells them the punishment for their sin there at the very beginning of the Bible where he says that if you eat of the fruit that's forbidden, you will surely die. That's the price. That's the penalty for our sin is death. And not only death, but separation from God. They were removed from his presence. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And so because of sin, we face separation from God and we face death because of our sin. And so we have this problem and we don't know what to do about it. The world gives us all sorts of solutions 
Maybe if you try this, maybe if you'll try this. Uh, sometimes it'll, it, the world will just remind us of our sin and shame us. Sometimes the world will tell us, hey, just forget about your sin. Just act like it's not there. Sometimes the world will tell us to just cover over our sin. We'll just act like it's okay to sin. But none of these approaches offers us true forgiveness. It never makes us okay. It never makes us right with God. True forgiveness only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Easter is all about. There was this problem that was introduced at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And God, through his love and through his mercy, tells us his story throughout the Old Testament of the prophecies that a Messiah would come. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, when he, when he pronounced judgment upon sin, he gives them the gospel in a nutshell right there. He says, one who is from the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. And that is the, the hope that we, were, that we were waiting for. And the prophets in the Old Testament are prophesying that this Messiah is going to come. And he does when we get to the New Testament. Jesus, the, the Son of God, comes. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He's born in the city of Bethlehem. He grows up, lives a life without sin. But then he is arrested and he's crucified. And he dies because remember what was the penalty for sin? Death. And so he dies not for his sin. He was sinless. He died for your sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sin. And so he, he solves this problem that we have, that we would die. Why? Because on Easter, he rose from the dead. and He's alive. And he tells us that if we'll put our faith in him as our Savior, that we can be alive, that we would be raised up like him unto new life. And not only that, he brings us into relationship with God again. We were separated from God because of our sin, but he removes our sin from us and brings us into right relationship with God again. So what does true forgiveness look like? It looks like the Son of God dying on a cross, and it looks like an empty tomb. That's when Jesus crushed the head of Satan and won our victory. Today, we're going to continue our series. If, if, if you're our guest today and, and you haven't been worshiping with us, we've been, we've been studying through the book of Hebrews on Sunday mornings. And today, we come to Hebrews chapter 10. And the whole book of Hebrews is showing us the hope that we have in Christ, that Christ is better than anything that this world has to offer. And today we're going to see that he offers us a better forgiveness. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd ask that you'd stand in honor of God's word. If you're able, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read to you verses 10 through 12. The word of God says, by this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand 
of God. Thank you. You may be seated. So today as we study this, this chapter here in Hebrews chapter 10, I want to give you an action step. If you're, if you're listening this morning, whether you're online or whether you're here in the room, this is what I want you to learn, what I want you to take away here in 2022 on Easter Sunday morning. The action step for today is that you would believe in Jesus for forgiveness. That you would find true forgiveness today in Jesus. Because just as we tried lots of things to try and, and make the Nintendo work or try lots of things to try and make your computer work, the world's going to tell you lots of things to try to get rid of your sin problem. But the only answer is to find forgiveness in Jesus. So the first thing that I want us to see in our passage this morning is that the world wants to remind you of your sin, but God wants to remove your sin from you. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 10, we see that the, the world wants to throw sin in our face and it wants to shame us, but God wants to remove our sin from us. We experience this sort of reaction in our world today. It's called cancel culture. It's where someone or, uh, does something wrong or, or someone says something wrong and, and they are canceled. Forever, They lose their job, they lose their position, they lose their friends. And what's happening in those instances is that a person is being confronted with their sin. That they've done something wrong and they're being held accountable for it. They're putting it in their face. And in our passage, the author here is describing the practice of Judaism. Where every year, the high priest on the Day of Atonement would make a sacrifice for the sin of the people. And they would take a, a lamb and they would slaughter it and they would take the blood into the Holy of Holies, into the very place where the presence of God dwelt over the Ark of the Covenant. And they would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice there on the Ark of the Covenant on what was called the mercy seat. This is where the glory of God, the presence of God dwelt. And they would pray for the Lord to show mercy to the people because of their sin. And what we see in our passage is that this priest sacrifice would be offered many times, year after year after year. In verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year after year. And so what he's telling us here is that this is a constant work. It's a continuous work. It never ended. Why? Because the sinning of the people never ended. Your sinning never ends. My sinning never ends. And so the sacrifice of the priest never ends. It was insufficient to put an end to sin. And so the priest's sacrifice, it says, never perfected the worshipers. It never actually made anyone clean. At our house in the backyard, there's a giant uh, black walnut tree. And every year it drops hundreds of black walnuts down on the ground. Okay? And if you've ever been around black walnuts, you know that, I didn't know this, I learned this, uh, that they stain like 
really bad, okay? So our son, Fisher, is out running around in the backyard barefoot because that's what green boys do. Uh, and so he's running around barefoot around the backyard, and, and we didn't think anything of it. And so that night, I'm putting him to bed, and I noticed on the bottom of his feet, I mean, it looks like they are just bruised and beaten, like he had some sort of, I don't know, like I thought he, I thought he had some disease or something. I didn't know what it was, maybe. You know, and so I, I, I'm looking at his feet. They're just black and, and nasty looking. And so I get worried, and, and I call our doctor and say, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm touching it. It doesn't, it do, it's not bruised. It doesn't hurt. It's just, it just looks really bad. Like maybe he's got gangrene or something. I don't know what it is. And we come to find out that his feet were stained from these black walnuts. And so he would get in the, in the shower and he would just scrub and scrub and scrub with that soap. And you know what it did? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It, those stains would not come off. They, they just had to eventually wear off over time is, what, is, is basically what, what had to happen. And, and that's how these sacrifices were with our sin. It says you, you were never really made clean. They didn't make anyone perfect. In fact, it says there in verse 2, otherwise wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers purified once and for all would no longer have any consciousness of sins. He says if, if, if they made us perfect, then we wouldn't have to keep doing this. But what these priests' sacrifices did was to serve as a reminder of our sins. In verse 3, it says, in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year. And so basically what those sacrifices did was remind us that we have sinned against God. Every year when they would slaughter that lamb, it was a vivid visual picture of the cost of our sin. That it cost a life. Because the penalty, the wages for our sin is death. And so it was this vivid picture that they, that they had to come to grips with every year. That, that an animal was dying in their place. And the blood was being offered to, in their stead. And so it's a reminder to us that we're a sinner. That we need salvation. This law of God is like a mirror that we look into and see our unrighteousness. It points out all of our shortcomings, all of our faults. It shows how far we fall short of the standard of God's holiness. And it tells us that we need a better forgiveness that's only found in Jesus because that's how the world will often approach sin. It will remind us of our sin. Have you ever felt that before? Where it's like everybody can tell you everything that's wrong with you, everything that you have done wrong, every way that you've messed up, every way that you've fallen short, pointing out our faults, declaring our shortcomings, but it never offers a solution. There's never a remedy. There's never hope. That's not how God works. God offers us true forgiveness in Jesus Christ because his sacrifice on the cross was different than these other sacrifices. It will remove our sin from us. 
And so the world wants us, wants to remind us of our sin, but God wants to remove our sins. The second approach that we see, when we think about things that the world says, hey, won't you try this? Is the world says, just forget about it. Whereas God wants to forgive us. And so the world says, just hide it. Maybe if we all forget about this, it'll just sort of go away, right? It's sort of like this boat, the no worries. <laughs> Maybe it's time to start worrying a little bit, right? You can't just act like it's not happening. But God wants to bring real forgiveness into our lives. And so whereas these priest sacrifices were offered time after time after time, he says Christ's sacrifice was offered just one time. If you go down to verse 11 of chapter 10, it says every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sin. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, has sat down at the right hand of God. What does that mean? It means that it's a completed work. God dealt with sin once and for all. He didn't say, well, maybe if we just forget about it, it'll go away. No, what he says is, it is finished. In John 19, verse 30, when Jesus is on the cross, it says that he had received the sour wine. And he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. It is finished. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for the sin of the entire world. It's finished. He's not like these priests who who stood in the sanctuary making sacrifice over and over again. In contrast with that, what the author of Hebrews says is Christ made sacrifice one time for all time, and he has sat down at the right hand of God. Why was he able to sit down? Because there's nothing more to be done. Because the debt is paid. And so whereas the priest's sacrifice was of the blood of bulls or of goats or of sheep, here we see that this sacrifice is the blood of Christ himself. In verse 10, it says, By this will we have been sanctified, we have been purified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. This isn't the blood of some animal. This is the blood of the Son of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 the Bible says, you know that you're not redeemed from your empty way of life that's inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. See, the, the blood of all those animals couldn't take away our sin, but the blood of Jesus can. You can try to forget your sins, but they'll still remain our sin calls out. It condemns us. We know it. We, we, we experience the guilt of it, the shame of it. Our conscience is testified to it. That's why Adam and Eve hid from God when they knew that they had sinned. 
It says that we deserve punishment because we've rebelled against the Lord himself. Pastor D.L. Moody says that the voice of sin is loud, but the voice of forgiveness is louder. And God forgives us of our sin in Christ. And he cancels out the debt and he washes us whiter than snow, the Bible says. But oftentimes we'll try this approach of the world. We think, I'll just forget about my sin. Anybody ever tried that in your life? He said, maybe if I just act like it's not there, it'll go away. And we, we ignore what we know is a problem in our life. We, we try to ignore what we know is, is a sin in our life. We know that it's affecting relationships in our life. We know that it's affecting our health. We know that it's affecting our relationship with God. We say, maybe if we don't think about it, it'll just go away. We do this in our cars all the time, right? When the check engine light comes on, and we see the light come on, and you think, if I ignore it, it'll just go away, right? If I turn the car off, it's not on. And then you turn, maybe sometimes it will go away, and you're like, see, it, it fixed it. But it didn't, did it? Because by ignoring it, it usually compounds the problem and makes it much worse. And so what, what might have just cost you $30 to fix now cost you $400 to fix because you ignored a check engine light. Same thing's true for our sin. We don't find forgiveness by ignoring sin and acting like it isn't there. It has to be dealt with. And that's exactly what God did when Jesus died on the cross. He dealt with our sin one time for all time. Because the Bible's clear that our sin has to be dealt with. The Bible says that all of us will stand in judgment before God when we die because of our sin. And if we've trusted in Christ as our Savior and for forgiveness of our sin, the Bible says that we will be forgiven and that we will, we will, be, uh, we will spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. But if we have rejected the gift of forgiveness, if we've rejected the salvation that comes through Christ, then we will face the punishment for our sin and we will be separated from God and we will die. The good news is that you can receive that salvation in your heart today. Psalm chapter 86 verse 5 says, For you, Lord, are kind and you're ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. And so you simply have to call on the Lord for forgiveness today. To repent, which means to turn away from your sin and to call on Christ to forgive you. And you can find this true forgiveness in Jesus today. And so the world says, hey, maybe if you'll just forget about it, it'll go away. But God says, no, I want to forgive you of your sin." The third thing that we see in this passage this morning is another approach that doesn't really work. The world wants to cover over our sin, but God wants to give us a makeover. The world says, if you just sort of minimize it, just kind of sweep it under, cover over it, but God wants to make you new, the Bible says. 
The world says maybe, maybe forgiveness looks like redefining sin. You know, where you say, well, that's, that's not really a sin, is it? I know what the Bible says, but when you get into I know what the Bible says, but you're in the wrong lane, okay? I, I know what the Bible says, but, I mean, everybody's doing it, right? It, it, it's not really a sin. It, it must be okay. It must not be a big deal. And so covering over our sin doesn't deal with our sin. It just puts off the inevitable. It's like holding our lives together with duct tape, right? I can assure you that a, not even a strong wind, just a little bit of a wind, is going to take this telephone pole over, right? But this is what we do with our lives. We cover ourselves over with duct tape and say, it'll hold up, right? We think if we just cover it up with makeup, but what we need is a makeover, and God offers us real forgiveness. You see, that says that the priest's sacrifice never made anyone clean, but Christ's sacrifice perfected believers. In verse 14, it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Remember what it said back in verse 1? The law was only a shadow of the good things to come, not the reality itself of those things, and it can never perfect the worshipers it could never perfect. But what does he say about Christ in verse 14? He perfected forever those who are sanctified. He doesn't just sort of mask it over. He makes us new. He, he, he doesn't just wash the dirt off the surface. He gets to the root of the problem, which is our sinful hearts. He removes our sin. He washes us clean. And he creates in us a new heart. In verse 16, he says, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Makes us brand new. We're born again. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. That's something that only Jesus can do. But sometimes we try to cover over our sin. We try to create our own version of forgiveness. And so we'll, we'll move the goalposts. We'll try to redefine sin and say what the Bible calls sin is not sin. Has anybody ever tried to do that before? not really a sin it must be okay or sometimes what we'll do is we'll try to make a deal with God we'll say God if you'll do this then I'll do this right we find ourselves in in this big mess that we've made and we say God if you'll get me out of this then I will dot 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 we've made these sort of deals with God before you ever done that and what we're doing is we're trying to to come up with our own version of, of forgiveness, our own version of trying to solve this sin problem. But Christ's sacrifice was a removal of our sin. In verse 17 of our passage, he says, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Never again. And so Christ doesn't 
drudge our sin back up time and again. He's eradicating our sin. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 12, the Bible says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. And so Christ puts death to death. Christ puts an end to our sin. And so what, we don't need makeup. We, what we need is to be made over. We don't need a shadow of the good things. We need the real thing. We don't need a sacrifice that you can bring or that I can bring. We need a sacrifice that only Jesus can bring. Because only his sacrifice is sufficient for our salvation. Only Jesus' sacrifice can cleanse us from our sin. Only Jesus' sacrifice can remove our sin. Only Jesus brings us true forgiveness. And so in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, he tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we've got this sin problem, and we don't really know what to do about it. The world says, I'll remind you about it. I'll let you know all the ways that you've messed up. Or the world will say, just forget about it. Or the world will say, let's just try to cover it up. But you and I know that that's just like blowing in a Nintendo cartridge. It's not really solving anything. So what does true forgiveness look like? It looks like the Son of God dying on a cross. And it looks like an empty tomb. There are some here this morning that are seated in this room or that are watching online and you need this better forgiveness in your heart. You've tried the ways that the world says will fix your sin problem, and you know that it doesn't work. But what the Bible tells us is that the only way that you'll find real forgiveness for your sin is through Jesus. And so this morning, that might be the decision that you need to make in your heart. To say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross and that you paid the price for my sin, I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day and you conquered sin and you conquered death, even for me. And today, I am trusting in you by faith to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me of my sin, and to make me new. And if that's the decision that you need to make in your heart, then I want to encourage you today to make that decision. In a minute, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. There's going to be leaders here across the front. And they're there for you to come and to talk with them and to pray with them. And so if this is a decision that you need to make, then you come and you make that decision. If you're watching online, you can text the word DECIDE to the number that you see on the screen. Even if you're in the room, you can do that. And we'll get back in touch with you and talk with you about this decision and, and what it means to, to follow after Jesus. Christians today is the day that we remember, the day that we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And it's only because of his death and resurrection that we can experience this forgiveness. And we know that after we become Christians, it doesn't mean that we never sin again. But Jesus' one-time-for-all-time sacrifice was sufficient to pay the price for all of our sin.
And so maybe you need to spend some time at your seat or even here at this altar confessing your sin to God, calling on him to forgive you, and committing your life to follow after him as your Lord and as your king. Let's stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we give you thanks today for the resurrection of the Son of God. Because without his death, without his resurrection, we would not have real forgiveness. Lord, the world gives us all sorts of solutions, but we know that they don't really work. And God, the only way that we can truly deal with our sin problem is by trusting in Jesus as our Savior. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone here today that needs to make that decision in their heart. God, that today would be the day that they would repent and believe in Jesus and be born again. God, move during this time. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.